everybody. Welcome to Cook the Books. My name is Martina Logan, and I'm so glad you could join me for dinner. Each week, I'm having a friend over for a delicious meal inspired by some of my favorite books. The recipes can come straight from the text, be my interpretations of meals the author described, or for really popular books where fans have already created well-known recipes. I'm adding my own flair by making them allergy-free. Yes, you heard that correctly. This podcast is incorporating food allergies. For some background, uh, in 2010, I was diagnosed with a slew of food allergies, along with my mom and brother, who were diagnosed with their own allergies, and such began the journey to enjoy food again. Uh, It's been a bumpy road, and there was a really steep learning curve, but... I'm happy to report that I do finally know when to use tapioca flour, and I can tell you, it's not that often. (laughs) So, while I want this to be a podcast where I can nerd out with my friends about books and, you know, just have a reason to cook an elaborate meal to share with them every week, it has to be allergy-free because that's how I eat. And to make this as inclusive as possible... If any of my friends have food allergies or restrictions or just they have their own preferences, I'm taking all of those into account. Because sharing a meal is a huge part of the human experience. And frankly, I've spent over a third of my life not being able to participate unless I bring my own. Which, okay, in the grand scheme of things, is not the end of the world. but, But it does take a toll. And I do feel like people who don't have food restrictions just really don't get that, because why would they? So I guess what I'm trying to say is, I'm not going out of my way to make an allergy-free podcast. This this isn't aimed at allergy sufferers, but I do want it to include them. I, I want to cultivate an audience of people who love books and food and appreciate food's role in storytelling. And I want to show that anyone can fit into that bucket with just a little bit of work. That's not asking too much. Because it's really not that hard to include everyone as long as you know where to look. And for me, this is just cooking. This is just how I cook, you know, and I'd love to remove the stigma around experimenting with meals to find something that works for everyone. So I'm sure you're all thinking to yourselves, "Mm, mm, all right, that sounds super complicated. What is she even allergic to anyway? I am allergic to milk, soy, wheat, eggs, and mustard. Yes, mustard, mustard. Uh, yeah, the mustard one pretty much sucks. Um, I have actually recently been re-allergy tested, but I'm, I'm not going to go into a ton of detail on that right now. But I'm sure there will be more to come in future episodes. So for now, let's just stick with that list. Milk, soy, wheat, eggs, and mustard. Pretty epic list of restrictions, right? Well, what's truly epic is the first round of podcasts because we're starting with The Lord of the Rings. My inner middle schooler is screaming right now. My first guest is my best friend and improv partner, Georgia Gove. Georgia and I perform together, and she's one of the few people in my life outside of my direct family that has memorized all of my allergies. And and she doesn't have any that she knows of. But she always makes sure there's something at her house I can eat, and I adore her for it. 
So before we get started, I, I do really want to say thank you for tuning in. A lot of work goes into making a podcast, way more than I realized. There are a ton of elements to think about, and I'm hoping that the process gets smoother as I continue and I keep creating a community around the podcast because your support means so much to me, so thank you. Please, 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 if you like the show, uh, like and subscribe in Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Um, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at Cook the Books Podcast. You can like Cook the Books on Facebook. And or and <laughs> uh, if you're feeling extra generous, you can join the Cook the Books Patreon page. Uh, monetary support is always welcome because allergy-free ingredients are not cheap. And it's cool because depending on the level of patronage you select, you get really cool extra goodies like recipes, episode outtakes, and one of the levels even lets you pick a future book. So that one's pretty dope. Links are going to be available in the episode description. So with all that out of the way, tonight's menu includes a delicious sausage pie with a cornmeal crust. I paired it with a Brussels sprout salad and white wine. Um, it's funny because I didn't even mean to, but I ended up making exactly what Bomber asks for when he shows up in The Hobbit, which is pork pie and a salad. So, ta-da, sausage pie and Brussels sprout salad. <laughs> um, so I was searching the internet for recipes, and I found the same recipe all over the place called Rosie's Shire Pie. Um, there's this one website I found that is amazing. They have anything and everything you could think of when it comes to Lord of the Rings recipes. It's lordofthericsscrapbook.booklof.net. I will be sure to include that link in the description. I mean, wow. It is an encyclopedia. Um, I, I didn't follow the recipe to a T because, well, first of all, allergies. Uh, and secondly, I'm not entirely sure how copyright works around all of this, and I wanted to hedge on the safe side. Um, so I didn't follow the recipe exactly, but it was a major inspiration for the meal. And because it was called Rosie Shire Pie, that actually inspired a lot of the conversation that you're about to hear. So I made the sausage pie. Uh, there's three allergy-free ingredients that I want to highlight just right off the bat. Um, so obviously if it's a pie, there's going to be flour. So I used Bob's Red Mill gluten-free flour mix instead of wheat flour. Um, and instead of butter and shortening, I used Melt, which is my favorite butter substitute. And then Spectrum has a really great vegan and soy-free shortening. Bob's Red Mill is honestly not my favorite. Uh, my favorite gluten-free mix is Arrowhead Mill. I think it has a much nicer consistency than Bob's, but Bob's was on sale. Um, it's not like Bob's is bad. I, I don't have a problem with Bob's. I just prefer Arrowhead Mill. If you have a rice or potato allergy, though, you're probably going to need to create your own gluten-free mix. You do this by buying a few different flours and combining them yourself, which is something we can definitely address on another episode. It's definitely more expensive up front, but really cost-effective in the long run. Melt is a vegan, non-GMO, fair trade, red palm oil, and palm oil mix. That's the closest thing I've ever found to butter, and my pant size will prove it. But hey, no cholesterol. <laughs> and then Spectrum Shortening is also organic, fair trade, vegan palm fruit oil. I got the sausage from my local butcher, I highly recommend reading the backs of labels, even with meat, to make sure there's no filler 
or develop a relationship with a butcher, especially for something like sausage, because they know exactly what goes in their meat. Every other ingredient was really fine. So there's mushrooms, celery, carrots. I did use chicken stock, so you have to be careful with stocks. A lot of those have wheat in them. I used the Trader Joe's brand, which I know is gluten-free because I Googled it. Google is your best friend. There was a bit of sherry in it. So if you have a sulfur or a sulfite allergy, look for sulfite-free wines or find a grape juice substitute. Um, if you're allergic to grape, try using apple cider vinegar instead. It won't be the same, but it'll still give you a nice bite. Honestly, this pie was amazing. I went through the leftovers so quickly. I can't wait to make it again. All right, well, with all that said, I think it's time to get into the show. Thanks, everybody. Ta-da. Thank you for waiting for this. Here, we want cheers. Yeah. Cat one. Cat one. And now cats will be able to understand the podcast. <laughs> Tuna fish. <laughs> okay, so not to immediately segue into the podcast, uh-huh. but I was just thinking, if you knew cat, then that would be hilarious. But when I was in eighth grade, I loved Lord of the Rings so much that I learned elfish. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I wish. I feel like that's a marketable skill. Yeah, I have it on all my resumes. Uh, <laughs> But you, but you should. No, dude, it was. I should. Um, excuse me. Especially when you're acting. Two language. You're you're right. Well, because it's a whole other alphabet and everything. Yeah. And uh, I, that's impressive, honestly. I, I wish that I had the um, uh, go getmanship. I don't know what. There's a word for it, but I wish I had the like, gumption. The gumption, or like any of the research stamina, to like learn. Any other language, let alone Elvish. Let alone a fictional yeah, one. Yeah, let alone a fictional yeah, right? one. I don't, I just don't, I would, I would be like, oh, I'm going to learn Elvish, and then I'd get bored and start watching TV, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's no, I, my life. I learned the whole damn thing, and, like, not all, like, I wasn't fluent, but I could, I could write the whole alphabet, mm-hmm. and I could say certain things. And luckily, I was a fucking nerd, and so were my friends, and so everyone was like, you did what? And one of my other friends was learning Dwarvish, and I don't know which, like, which form of Dwarvish. I'm not going to remember all that at this point. No. But um, I used to write on my notebook, Amin Melele, and then, like, the guy's name that I liked, which means I love you. <laughs> or, like, Amin, Amin Mela, and then the guy's name, and... I remember he came up to me and saw my notebook and he was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm writing in Elvish. And he was like, oh, how do you write my name? And I couldn't tell him how to write his name because it was already in there. Oh, <laughs> like, no. It was like on my notebook like 20 <laughs> times. I was uh, like, I love you. Man, that would have been so useful because I just wrote um, Mrs. Andrew Unger on literally everything. <laughs> I was, I'm not subtle. If I like somebody, I'm so not subtle about it. Um, I'm not a very subtle person, I don't think. <laughs> I, you I, would write it and then flip it around and show it. To I him. no no 100% <laughs> I did. Like he was very uncomfortable. Poor Andrew. Andrew, if you're listening, I'm very sorry. Um it was too much. I agree with you. Um Yeah, if if Ian McLaren is listening, you knew that story was about you, dude. What's up, man? <laughs> <laughs> Hit us up. No, don't. No, oh, please, please don't. don't. Oh no. <laughs> um 
But yeah, no, I uh, I was very unsubtle. So the use of a um, secondary alphabet, you know, I was I did want to learn Urkin for a little bit. Tell me uh, about Urkin. Urkin is the language from Invader Zoom. Oh, so I wanted to learn Urkin. That's way cooler than oh, Elvish. That's not cooler than <laughs> Elvish. That's cooler than no. I neither <laughs> one is cool. First off, I I feel like I feel like Elvish is definitely cooler in retrospect mm. than Urkin is. I don't know. You said Invader Zim? Yeah. I never got into it, and I feel I am a nerd for not being able to watch that. Like I don't think that's true. I don't know. It was more for, like, emo kids, right? Oh, yeah, and no. I was so emo. I'm I'm always in my feelings. Like, mm-hmm. me and Drake, man. Oh, <laughs> no, I don't want to talk about Drake. <laughs> that was another podcast where we'll talk about his problematic ass. But... Yeah, I mean, he's problematic as fuck, but he is in his feelings. <laughs> Yikes. Probably because that's why he wants to talk to teenagers. Whoa. Oh, gross. That is so gross. Mm-hmm. Oh, back to Lord of the Lord Rings. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> the salad's really good. <laughs> Dude, this pie is amazing. Do you like it? I love it. Are you sure? Yeah. Do you not? I love it. I like it. I don't know how I feel about the crust. I think with everything, it works. Like, the, I, the bite of crust I had on its own, mm-hmm. I wasn't going to say anything. Was not my favorite. Yeah, yeah. But, like, with the rest of the filling, it's good. It's got a... Yeah, the pie itself is really good. Mm -hmm. But I feel like... Okay, so this is the thing. I use Bob's Red Mill gluten-free crust, and they don't have the best gluten-free flour mix. Yeah. And and I did it because they had a giant bag on sale, and I was just like, yep, gonna gonna do this because this is an expensive endeavor yeah. and I should have just made the separate trip to um, Whole Foods and gotten the Arrowhead Mill because Arrowhead Mill has a much better flavor. Yeah and consistency like this is just kind of grainy and like so it's Bob's Red Mill flour and cornmeal yeah. so you can taste the cornmeal and I like that part of it but I don't know I kind of wish I had like flavored the crust with something else like, if I weren't following a Lord of the Rings-themed recipe, I probably would do, like, a turmeric cr- crust or something like that. Yeah. Maybe I've been watching too much um, British, <laughs> British, British baby. Oh, oh my but, god. I just finished, um, I just finished the uh, newest season, and I'm, I'm sad. I'm sad that it's not part of my life anymore. No, but, like, I... I think it's good. I think you're, I think you're not giving yourself enough credit. I think it is very, very good. Thank you. Honestly, yeah. I just had another bite, and it was really good. Right? <laughs> with a, I'm, I'm saying with everything else, I think the flavor works. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never done a sausage pie before, and this is really good. You know what I want to try? What? It's like a, like a pigeon. Like a, like Ew, a pigeon pie. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, we could get them. You can get those in like can... the frozen food sections of some grocery store. Especially, I'm from North Carolina, and I have seen pigeon in the freezer section before. I was just going to say we could rustle them up on the street. But... Oh, there's plenty. <laughs> have some city pigeon. Yeah, we can <laughs> have some plate. city pigeon and then immediately get cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go hungry in Chicago, but that'll be your last meal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you might want to. <laughs> you might just want, yeah, try something else. Have you ever had any sort of, what, well, I, pigeon's not a game bird. What is pigeon? I had kangaroo once. Oh, yeah, in Australia? No. <laughs> Where did you have kangaroo? In a weird place in Pennsylvania that was also offering lion meat. What? I don't know where we were. It was, like, one of my mom's clients, I think. 
and we were at this weird place and like a like a barn in Pennsylvania and they were like would you like would you like kangaroo or would you like um lion steaks and I remember being like ooh this will be my only ever chance to have lion steaks but that is definitely illegal you know yeah I don't think I could say yes I think I would make a call because you were obviously younger yeah I was like maybe 13 14 yikes right I don't know what this place was who who knows I just remember being offered lion steak and I was just I remember and 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 kangaroo and I remember in my like doing the calculation in my head like do I just go for it because I'm never gonna be offered lion ever again Mm -hmm. or do I like go with my higher morality and uh and and go with the the less uh morally compromising um kangaroo kangaroo. it's just a marsupial yeah and there's tons of them in um in Australia. So. Yeah, they're definitely so, like... I like deer over there. So. Right, right. So I I went with my higher morality. But it, it like it's one of those weird moments I look back on where I'm just like, my morality was in question in this one moment. And I, I'm glad that I chose the, um, the higher moral ground. I know you've been into some really different... I don't know. This is going to come across. I'm, I'm going to phrase this sentence wrong, but you've been in some different cultural situations. So, like, mm-hmm. it could have legitimately been kangaroo or lion. But do you think it was really kangaroo or lion? I have no idea. I think it, it was. I, I, I remember the, the kangaroo meat that I had. It was, like, a different flavor from other meats that I've had. I could have just been, honestly, it could have just been deer. And I just was like, oh, it's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's, can, it's kangaroo, clearly. Who knows? Either way, to be offered kangaroo or lion, kind of fucked up mm-hmm. in the middle of Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's, yeah. Where, how old was that meat? Was it from zoos? I have so many questions. Yeah, I have a lot. I have no answers. <laughs> I um, there there's a Cajun place in my hometown. Um, that there was this huge controversy because they had gator on the menu, but it was just chicken. <laughs> And so they were just like, no, it's supposed to be gator. And everyone was very upset that it was just chicken. Well, because also they were upcharging for it. So it's the fucked up thing to do. Yeah, that is fucked up. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't lie to people. No. And what if you have a chicken allergy? Yeah. And you think, oh, I'm getting around this very common poultry by eating alligator. Never heard of a chicken allergy. No, but, but still. It could exist. You never know. Yeah. Eight billion people on this earth. I didn't. I didn't hear about a mustard allergy until I talked to you. So, hello. <laughs> Actually, mustard allergies are you'll you'll see that on the backs of some like ingredients list now. Just like includes mustard, and I'm like, yes, this is a legitimate allergy. <laughs> um, it's. I think it is one of the top. It's definitely one of the top fifteen. I I think it's one of the top ten allergens. Really? I know. I feel so validated. That's awesome. But but like not awesome. But like, no, but like, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. You're going to be allergic to it. At least it's not just like, oh. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad they're including it on the back of packaging and making you feel like you're not a crazy person. Mm-hmm. Validation is key. Mm-hmm. I was in a very hot kitchen for an hour, slaving over Rosie Shire pie. Mm-hmm. And it was really good. And then, so we're eating Shire pie. And then a Brussels sprout salad, which is not a Lord of the Rings recipe, but I thought it was very Lord of the Ringsy. Mm-hmm. Right? They would eat like Brussels sprouts oh, and yeah, then like for sure. stuff. Yeah. Um, and then made 
<clears throat> I don't know, salad with like vinegar and oil and seasoning and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I chose this pie and I've, part of me feels like I'm cheating because I really did want to find food in, I, I, I wanted to find either straight up recipes, which there are barely any of, right? Yeah. Or specific meals from the book. And I just have the most, I don't know, um, I, I have the most like specific and like pre- predominant, I can't think of the word right now, memories of like Sam talking about Rosie's pies. Yeah. And them t- and they definitely talk about meat pies a lot. Mm-hmm. But then I started, I, and I found this recipe online, looking up Lord of the Rings recipes, hoping I would find something like specific without going through all the books individually. And I found the recipe, but I couldn't find where they mention it in the text anywhere. Yeah. And then I went to the library because somehow my copy of Lord of the Rings is missing, which is tragic and I will find it. But I went to the library and I looked through all the books and, you know, there's like indexes and everything. And I couldn't find anything about this pie, but something about the recipe really stuck with me because it sounded really fucking good. And because... Um, I'm really into Rosie Cotton out of nowhere. <laughs> like, I'm just suddenly just like, yes, Rosie Cotton. Who is she? What what could she have been? Yeah. And um, she she's so interesting for a non-character. Yeah. And I think she's written as sort of an ideal. And so but she has like what, like four lines in the entire book. Yeah, she does. She doesn't talk very much at all. No, but she is. She is what Sam is looking forward to, and what it, he, she is the driving force for Sam to return home to the Shire. And so I really appreciate her as a plot device in that way, but also for someone who is so important to who I would argue is the main character of Lord of the Rings is is Samwise Gamgee. Um, but for someone who is so important to him, like, she just isn't around. And, like, I don't know, like, if you if you look her up, you'll say, oh, Rosie Cotton stayed back in the Shire. And then during the uprising, she was there and she was managing the Green Dragon. Mm-hmm. And then Sam came home and she had 13 fucking kids with him, which, what? And still, still worked full time somehow with thirteen kids, and then would come home and eat dinner, like make dinner. And I was like, "Hold on a second. Um, and she's. I appreciate that Sam, the character who looks after Frodo, and the entire point of him is that he takes care of Frodo during one of the hardest things you could describe, yeah. right? During this just epic journey. Mm-hmm gets to come home and be taken care of. And there's a line in it that's just like, he's the most well-kept hobbit in all the Shire. Which... Yes, I do remember mm-hmm. that line and being like, ooh. <laughs> but also, like, it's sweet for it the is, plot. Yeah, it is sweet. It is very sweet. Um, I, I like to think of Sam as a stay-at-home dad. Yeah, for sure. I hope, Like, I hope that that's their relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, like what? What my hope would be like? Rosie works and like pops out all these kids, and Sam just stays home and takes care of them. Mm-hmm. I think that's the point of it. I hope so, because I don't know. In in some ways, this is literally like a thought I had, and I was so angry about it. But like, I feel like she's like the first manic pixie dream girl, or like one of the first, but for this very like old English country sort of way. I feel like it's more. It's deeper than that. She's um. 
she's the epitome of home and mm-hmm. and home in uh in in the in that sort of sense especially in like old you know yeah not not old but like in in like a traditional british yeah sort of way like the the <clears throat> the mother and the woman is like the heart of the home yeah and you know like you you when you picture like a like a traditional british wife i guess um not nowadays, but, you know, mm-hmm. even, what, 50 years ago? Like, mm-hmm. it would have been, like, a woman who who stays home and, and, and makes biscuits, you know? Like, that's, you know, that's the, uh, that was, like, the epitome of, like, a, a like, a, a and a, this is coming from a, you know, like, a, an American, right, you know, perspective. Same. <laughs> with no real, but, but, you know, like, when you picture it, like, I, when I picture it, you know, when I picture what, like, a, what, like, a traditional British, um, housewife would, would mm-hmm. look like, it's, it's, you know, a man comes home after a long day of work and to, and sits down to tea and, you right. know, and, and, and biscuits with, like, a, this woman who, like, you know, dot dotes upon him, you know, in, in a, in a, in a lot of ways, and, like, that's the, that's the, the, the traditional British mother, right? Um, uh, stereotype, no, um, archetype, archetype, yeah. archetype as as well. And I think it, I think, I think that's what that's what Rosie embodies is like his Sam's vision of home is to be, you know, is to come home to this to this woman who um, who takes care of him and 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 treats him and in a lot of ways mothers him. Yeah, the uh, men traditionally want a woman who um takes over where their mothers left off right um and i think that is and a lot of a a lot of men find comfort in 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 women in that way right well yes i agree and it's just the way that she is written is she's the only girl uh with what three or four brothers Mm -hmm. and she is raised to be one of the guys and she goes and swims in the swimming hole like that's Sam grew up with her and she yeah. was the tomboy that became this you know beautiful lady who then goes and works in a tavern which I mean there is really something to be said about the trope of the woman that just goes and slings beer like yeah dudes love that um and so, and then especially a good old boy like Sam, <laughs> right? Exactly, exactly. Like, oh, she's just pouring beers, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so she, she is the epitome of every positive quality that a man of that time would look for. And I don't know, she's just, but 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 at the same time, she's just this like faceless plot device. Mm-hmm. She she basically she's ultimately just waiting around in limbo as this, you know stagnant character she's patient and she's devoted and she's maternal and all of that is fine and all of that is great Mm -hmm. but if she's going to be all of these perfect things i wish we got to know her more yeah in the thousands of pages that is lord of the rings yeah i think we deserve to know a little bit more about her yeah especially because some of the other female characters in lord of the rings are such badasses and not every character needs to be a full-fledged character. And I, I respect that. But also, she you just is so cool. would have wanted a little more. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I understand that. I don't really... I, I guess I don't feel that way because mm-hmm. um, because I do see her... Like, I never really thought about her too much, honestly. Except mm-hmm. as, like, 
that is Sam's idea of home. Like, mm-hmm. that is his, the picture that he has in his mind that keeps him through, like, gets him through the, his journey with, um, with Frodo. And, mm-hmm. and that, 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 that is all that he, that's all, I mean, it, it like, if, if we're thinking about Sam as the, uh, central character of the book, mm-hmm. which I somewhat agree. I think, I think, um, for me, it's more, it's less that, like, either Frodo or Sam is the main character of the book. I think there, I think there would not be a Frodo without a Sam, and I think there wouldn't be a Sam without a Frodo. So I Fair. think their, their friendship is more, um, is the central point of those books and their love for each other, mm-hmm. um, during this horrible time period in, in middle earth history um and their devotion to each other and their devotion to mm-hmm. each other and i think that i mean because um because tolkien you know wasn't in, was in the war uh, <laughs> was in the war, uh, the, great war. the great war um uh I, like he did have a lot of you form a, I I wouldn't know. I wasn't in. I've never been in battle, but I would imagine. I mean, as a woman, I feel like I'm in battle constantly. Hey, so. Yeah. Whoa. Um. So um, you know, you form like you form close friendships with people like closer than I think anyone could ever imagine with the people that like are your um contemporaries during during these your trauma your, your, during yeah. this trauma. So it's just. I think um, I think that this that the, their friendship mirrored in a lot of ways his uh, his uh, experience during the war and and probably you know if we look if I looked any deeper I don't know the specifics necessarily but I I would assume if we looked deeper we would be able to find that person that like was his the Sam to his Frodo yeah yeah that would be cool I've never read any of his biographies. Neither have I. I've also, I've never read any of the histories. Did you ever read the Cimmerillion or anything like that? I have the Cimmerillion. I re- I try. I read. <laughs> I, yeah, right I there. have it. Um, I try. Uh, yeah, an ex boyfriend of mine got it for me. Um, it was very sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was reading the. I was reading <clears throat> Lord of the Rings at the time, um, and he bought it for me for my birthday. I think. Hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm going to read this. And I never did <laughs> because I started, I was reading all the appendix and like, I, I just got burnt out on all the, I, I read, I read Lord of the Rings pretty quickly. Like I read, um, I started reading, I started reading them in the, like I started reading the Hobbit, which is my favorite book of all time. Um, oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, it, yeah. The Hobbit is one of my favorite books of all time. Um, and then, uh, and then I started. I started reading that over the summer, and then by Christmas, I was already done Two Towers. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, those are not like, and I, you know, I had a life, so like, I wasn't just like my whole life wasn't just reading. Right, you were also in school. Yeah, yeah. Reading well, actual I textbooks. I wasn't in school <clears throat> at that point. I was out of school, but I was working on shows. Oh, and okay, I had a okay. job. I need a lot of attention. Yeah. To read those books and yeah. and, and to, you know, it's not like just a you know, vacation no, book. <laughs> I, I think they're easier to read in a lot of ways than Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, they, I don't know, you can't compare them. Like, you really cannot compare the no. two. I mean, obviously, they're both fantasy worlds, but otherwise, the reading styles are very different. I personally prefer Tolkien. Me too. Yeah, I, I can get lost in the worlds better, and I can follow the worlds well, better. Well, he has a more, my, my problem with, um, with George R.R. R. Martin is I think he's too into his world, and, and mm-hmm. not that Tolkien wasn't, but he had a separate, he created a whole separate book for that mm-hmm. part of his exploration of the different families and the different um, races and like he of course he was like way too into his world mm-hmm. by any by any standards like he was deep in it but like uh, he I think George R. R. Martin gets lost in it where mm-hmm. Tolkien had had something he was trying to say he had a mission like Frodo had a mission there was something that needed to be accomplished and like there were there were side stories and there were branches that diverged off of that, but the central plot points were still Frodo needs to take the ring to Mordor. Right. Like that was the journey. And like it it you had you had a through line that was very easy to follow. Whereas I'm not really entirely sure what the what the through line in Game of Thrones is. I know I mean it's like somebody needs to get on the Iron Throne, but it's gotten so um so dissipated at this point and because there's no central character in game of thrones it's it's hard to follow i mean i'd argue that it's well okay maybe maybe the central character is not john snow but the the main character and the main protagonist is john snow but it took him a while to get there yes 100 percent. i don't think he knew that john snow was his central character when he started you don't think calling it a song of fire and ice or ice and fire whatever it is he didn't know that Jon Snow and Daenerys, or that Jon Snow was the song no, of I Fire think, and Ice. No, I think he knew. I think yeah. he knew. But I think, I think that he took a long time to figure out what, in what direction he, his world was moving. And maybe mm-hmm. he did have this whole thing set up. You know, maybe I'm not giving him enough credit and he had, he had, um, he had a plot, but I think he's, I think whether or not he knew, he knows exactly where he wants to go with the plot and knew from the beginning, I think he's, um, he's muddied the waters too much and gone mm-hmm. off too many different paths and it's muddied the plot. So yeah. even if he knows where we're going, I don't believe that he knows where we're going. Yeah. Like I, I have a lot of faith yeah. in, in, and I, and I don't, I'm not entirely sure that I will like, that, that he's leading me to, um, He's leading me to the Garden of Eden. Then I'll be like, "Cool, I'm satisfied with this. I like, I like where this is going." And mm-hmm. I, a lot of people would argue that it's in the journey, but like, I don't know. The journey hasn't been too enjoyable for me in the past. Whereas in Lord of the Rings, the journey to me is the most enjoyable part. Mm-hmm. Like the mm-hmm. feasts were always my favorite part of mm-hmm. the books. My dad used to read them to me when I was a kid, and like the feasts. Like, every time they, like, and, and a lot of people would talk, like, would not, and I don't know, maybe people do enjoy that, but, like, I think a lot of people would get, would get frustrated with that, but that, the, those, like, rich elements of the world that were breaks in the action, um, uh, right. I were lo- so powerful to me. I, yes. I, I mean, I loved the way he would just describe a forest mm-hmm. for, like, five pages, yeah. I, I don't know if I could deal with it all the time, but but it really painted where we were. Yeah. Like and and gazing over a mountaintop and the details were all very concrete and it was like he came up with them before he wrote 
the actual text. Well, so, it was like the world existed. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that we that he had visited it and was relaying the information. I know. I feel like, because I first read The Lord of the Rings when I was in eighth grade, I think. I think it was eighth grade was the first time. And um, I, I, I was convinced that it was real. I was old enough to know that that was ridiculous, but also it was just such a perfect portrait of this other world that I was convinced that one day I would get there. You know, like, because you're mm-hmm. still young enough that other, you know, maybe you'll just step into another realm. And also around the same time I was getting into the Dark Tower series, which is my favorite series of books. Um, and that is, that was probably, mm, actually, that's not true. I was going to say that that was my first introduction to, like, a multiverse. Absolutely not. I've been in a multiverse since I was, like, six years old when we were watching Sliders. <laughs> Sliders was the shit when you're six. And honestly, it's the shit now, all right? That was on Netflix for a while, <laughs> but... I don't know anything about that. Oh, we should have a whole Sliders podcast. Um, <laughs> there's uh, There was this show in the early 90s called Sliders, and it was about this guy who created a remote that could let you slide into different worlds, and he gets lost. And it was just like, what if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same, it's like you're, it's the same planet, and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you couldn't find your way home? And then it's like, boom, 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 and you're like, yes, this is amazing. I'm six. Like, I think I experienced that with, uh, with, um, oh god, what was it? Cyber Kids? No. There was that like stupid cartoon show about like kids who liked math. And they would go into know. a different math world. I have no idea oh, what that cut is. cut this out of the podcast. <laughs> it's all going in. No! <laughs> oh, God. Let's get back to Lord of the Rings. Something I know the name of. Sliders is going in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, are you an elf, a dwarf, a hobbit, or a man? Oh, a hobbit for sure. When you were younger, what, what did you want to be? Oh, didn't we all want to be an elf? Yes, I wanted to be a river elf. I want to be a wood elf. Oh. Yeah? Uh, mm. I wanted to be a river elf, who, this is so much information for anyone to hear now, but I wanted to be a river elf, and I would have been an amazing archer, and swordswoman, mm-hmm. and uh, Legolas was desperately in love with me, and it could have worked if my heart didn't belong to Aragorn. Oh. Obviously, oh, the story Arwen oh, didn't oh exist. God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I was in love with Aragorn, too. Right? Oh. Right? Strider. Oh. Viggo Mortensen is such a weird-looking dude. But as Strider, he can get it. but Aragorn. Yeah. yeah. Yes. As Aragorn, he can get it. 1,000%. Like, <laughs> like, why doesn't he just wear his hair long and, and whisper all... I guess he yeah. whispers in, like, every movie he's in. But that's fine. Yeah. The whispering only works when he's yeah, Aragorn. When he's got long hair. Yeah. <laughs> it's just Aragorn. That's such a uh, good... I mean, Aragorn... Uh, I, but, but, like, uh, who well, wouldn't choose... Well, and he the, was tortured. I'm yes. sorry. Oh, my God. He was I, such I a tortured love a tortured brooding Oh, man. I know. He's like, I can't. I can't take the throne. You're like, yes, you can, Aragorn. Oh, <laughs> the return of the king. Yes. Oh, it's about you. You are the king. <laughs> Boy, return. Return. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, oh, 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 God. Mm, I'm getting hot. Uh, 
I'm glad you turned on that fan. Um, I'm definitely a hobbit. I'm definitely a hobbit too. I wanted desperately to be a stealthy little elf. Yeah, of course. With of course. glowing hair. Yeah. Uh, that walks on the tops of snow. And yes. no, no, I'm a fucking hobbit. Do you see this Shire Pie? Yeah, it was great. It was a great mm-hmm. Shire Pie. No, I'm a hobbit too. Like I love the creature comforts. I'm I'm the hobbit that I'm like. I'm like the Bilbo Baggins or the Frodo. I'm like the Hobbit that like goes on an adventure. No, I'm more like Mary. I was about to say I'm more Mary or yeah, Pippin. I'm Mary yeah. or Pippin. Like I'm one of those where I'm like I want to go on an advent on an adventure, but like also I want to come back home. Also, I've got six meals to eat today. Yeah, but also <laughs> what about second breakfast? <laughs> I need a snack. <laughs> but no, I yeah no I definitely um. I want to go on an adventure. I want to have a big old adventure, but I want, I want my home waiting there at the end of it, you know? Are you more Frodo or Bilbo, then? I think I'm more Bilbo. Really? Yeah, I think I'm more Bilbo. Interesting. No, no, I might be a Frodo. I think you're I, Frodo. Yeah. Because Bilbo did not want to go on the adventure. No. And then he came back forever changed, where Frodo grew up with Bilbo talking about adventures. Yeah. And was, like, ready to go. I wanted to ask you what your favorite book is, but you said it's The Hobbit? Yeah, I mean, technically that's not part of The Lord of the Rings. Right, right. Um, I, ooh, that one's hard. I do love Two Towers. Oh, I love Two Towers, too. What's your favorite just book in general? My favorite, my, just, just general. Just book. Just, just any, yeah. any book. The Hobbit. Yeah. The Hobbit. I mean, I've, I have my top three. Mm-hmm. The Hobbit, everything is illuminated in Breakfast in Pluto. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Breakfast on Pluto? On Pluto, I think. <laughs> I think. You can't eat in Pluto. I mean, it's you can't eat on Pluto either. That's a moon. No, it's a planet. <laughs> it is a planet. Pluto's a planet for life. I agree. I am not I am not on the Pluto is a moon yeah. p- campaign. Fuck them. They're... Fuck the Pluto is a moon people. <gasps> Pluto is a planet, Pluto is a planet. Um, what's your favorite food? Uh, my favorite food, oh, it changes so often. Um, I mean, my dad's pancakes. Yeah? Yeah, Scottish pancakes. Those are probably one of my favorite foods. I don't have them very often because as a woman I feel very guilty when I indulge in sweets. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> but yeah. real. But, but real. real. But real. Yeah. Yeah, no, like bready sweets, like, oh, God, I feel guilty every bite. But. Yeah, I'd love to say I just out loud that I finished my pie, and Georgia did not, and I'm I'm worried. I can't tell if it's because no, it's delicious of the talking or if it's because it's of because the allergy freeness. No, 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 it's because of the talking. <laughs> Plus, I did have a snack before I came. Yes, but you have to eat. I w- I'm gonna. We can't stop Mom. the recording, Mom, until you've cleared your plate. Oh man, <laughs> what if that was the rule? Keep eating! Keep eating! <laughs> it's midnight. Get out of my house, but keep eating and take the microphone take with the you. Take the microphone. <laughs> keep recording the podcast. I want you to sit in the hallway and talk. <laughs> I'm going to bed. Um, do you have a favorite food to make for someone? Mmm. Angeladas. Oh, cool. Okay. I do make good angeladas. Um... That that is one of my favorites. I love baking. You do love baking. You bake a I lot. I love baking for mm-hmm. people. So any any sort of like cookie, cake, some I I love you know what I do love making? 
I make a pretty dank blueberry pie. I'm going to make a blueberry pie for this, so we Hell can, yeah. I will need your advice, because I've never made a blueberry pie. I, I can, I have a great filling recipe. Okay. It's all in browns, but I add a little cinnamon. Ooh, uh, that sounds great. Mm-hmm. Good Eats is coming back. Did you, I love did good you eats. hear? I love all the Did brown. you hear? No, I didn't, but I love that. Good Eats is coming back! Oh my god, I'm so excited. I know! <laughs> Um, and then my last question is, uh, do you have a piece of cooking advice that you can impart on our many, many listeners on this podcast? I do. Um, definitely taste. Oh God. I spit, I spit Brussels. There's Brussels sprouts Uh. everywhere. (laughs) I, uh, taste your food, you know, while you're cooking, Mm -hmm. like constantly be tasting things. I think that's important. Um, season well um but i think the most important thing like everyone is a, is afraid of baking because they're like, it has to be so precise but i think the most in it because it, i mean to a certain extent it does but like i think the most important thing about anything is like feeling it out you know mm-hmm. because you know depending on the day you could add like a little more flour or a little more water and like it comes out perfect and like Mm -hmm. it's not the exact amount that I think it's it's the um it's just knowing and feeling and and breathing and 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 like being one with the dough I don't know like trust your instincts yeah trust your instincts and be one with the dough be one with the dough breathe Breathe with the dough breathe with your dough that sounds like uh, a, a birthing class, but yeah, I'm teaching the uh, Lamaze for um for, for yeast. pies. For <laughs> 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 Did it have to yeast, be yeast? Lamaze. I hate yeast. I'm you coming out on this podcast. I hate yeast. <laughs> I hate the word yeast, but yeast is important. It is important. Uh, well, I guess we're gonna end on a yeasty note. Mm-hmm. Thank you for coming to my podcast. Of course, thank and you for cooking for me. Yes, you're my first Potter Woo! podcast. You're my first peapot. I, I got to figure out something to call you. I'm your first um, book baby. Mm. No, le- <laughs> oh, actually, I thought of something the other day. And honestly, if this podcast doesn't already exist, is there a podcast about race car drivers? And is it called Pod Racers? Because if it's not... I'm scrapping this oh, whole man. project, oh, and we're man. making pod racers. Oh man, I would not be able to contribute very much, but I'll. I wouldn't I either. Would be there. It'd be a it'd be a steep learning curve. This is pod racing. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's worth it. I think it is. Yeah. Okay. Well, I love you. I love you too. And thank you very much Let's for joining together. me. Okay. Ready.